Hello, and welcome to the Anniversary Brothers podcast, where we talk about the anniversaries of your favorite TV shows and movies. I am your host, Aaron Sarnecki, and joining me, as pretty much always, is my brother, Josh Sarnecki. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Josh. Uh, so, uh, for uh, this this month, uh, we're, we're technically, I guess, like a month behind. I think the anniversary for this movie was in July, but... Uh, we are going to be talking about the uh, 25th anniversary of Saving Private Ryan, uh, which, like I said, I believe came out in July of uh, 1998. July 24th, yes. July tw- okay, so we're pretty close from the time of recording. Um, and uh, I guess I'll just get... <laughs> I feel like this is going to be a little different of a movie, like in that this is definitely a more serious movie than other movies we've talked about uh not as uh lighthearted as uh you know some swashbuckling pirates or yeah, yeah. uh many of the other disney movies we've right discussed. so uh, i will try to you know give it the you know i think seriousness that the the movie deserves but also like not make it so depressing that you don't want to listen to this you know i when i was looking at movies to um the podcast about for this year and i was like I don't think I want to do Schindler's List. I think that's too heavy for a podcast. And then fortunately, Matt and Marissa just did um, an Oscar podcast, which included Schindler's List. So if you want to hear a podcast on that, you can listen to them. Mm. Yeah. Another Steven Spielberg movie set in World War II. Right. Um, So, yeah. um, And uh, I guess it's easy to say from... uh, the year that this came out um, that neither of us saw this movie in theaters would absolutely 100% not have been allowed to see it. <laughs> no, we were not one of the, uh, the six year olds people saw in theaters, you know, playing with their toys and like, why is that person's gut spilling out? Right. Uh, right. So this is a very uh, graphic, <laughs> graphic movie. So, um, but I do remember that. uh <sighs> I remember, um, I guess, renting it. Years yeah, later. we definitely rented it. I we were probably in high school. High school, yeah. yeah. High school or like just after high school. Yeah. Yeah, definitely rented it. Um, could not tell you exactly when though. Yeah. So, um, I guess just uh, before we get into what our impressions of the movie were back then. Uh, could you just give a brief plot summary? Okay, I feel like this is actually like a pretty straightforward one. Yeah. Um, so this is set during um, World War II, um, around the uh, time of the Normandy invasions, and basically a group of soldiers led by Tom Hanks's character, John or Captain John Miller, are trying to rescue Private James Ryan, uh, played by Matt Damon, after his three brothers were killed in combat. Um, and so trying to get him home so that um, the last of the four brothers does not die and can return home to his family. Mm-hmm. Right. Like you said, it's it's a pretty basic plot. Um, 
And honestly, as we'll get into the plot of this movie, um, there isn't a lot of plot for like the first 30 minutes. Like it, it's basically, you're more, it's more like you're in the moment. Uh, yeah. Right. No, the, uh, the first so, 30 minutes are just brutal. Brutal. Yeah. So um, do you remember what your, uh, what your thoughts were when we first watched this? Honestly, not really. I remember that I'd seen this movie mm-hmm. um, and I remembered it being, you know, pretty graphic. Uh, right. it, it being one of the more visceral um, depictions of war that I'd seen at that point and, and really that I've ever seen until right. um, this point. So those were the, the biggest things that really struck with me. Other than that, um, I can't remember too much. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. other than it being, you know, part of the uh, Spielberg filmography that I've watched, uh, which is still got some missing pieces in it. But right. um, do you remember, like, if you liked it or what your thoughts um, were? Yeah. So I remember. You see, I'm having a little recollection that we saw this when we were in college, because I definitely remember seeing in one of my uh, classes uh like i think it was my american directors class um when i was in college uh i guess we were talking about spielberg or or something else where uh we i don't know if we watched all of the uh the d-day invasion scene or just most of it um so that that made me interested to watch it and i, I for some reason i remember actually being a little underwhelmed by this movie, I think, um, when I when I saw it, um, just because I had heard so many, um, so much praise heaped on it, um, and I guess maybe I just thought it was a very long movie, <laughs> and for, I, for for me that didn't uh, just seeing them kind of like make their way across the French countryside for me that that was maybe not a time where I was into that because there are, even though this is a very loud, you know, violent movie, there are a lot of quiet moments that yes. you, you, that build on uh, the characters. Definitely. I mean, you can really break the film down into like beginning ending with two major battles and then like, some minor ones thrown in the middle but yeah a lot of quieter moments between just having the characters interact with one another mm-hmm. right so uh i am curious um you know what your thoughts on it uh are now um i guess be- before we go that i just i guess i will say that even though i'm not super this is only the second time that I've watched this movie. I'm much more familiar with what Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks did later, which is band of brothers mm-hmm. because um, I actually wrote a piece about that um, a couple years ago for the, uh, the site for that's 20th uh, anniversary. So they had worked on uh band of brothers after save a prime Ryan um and it very much carries a lot of the spirit of of that um uh where it's uh 
it's it's trying to be like an honest depiction of World War II. In that case, that it actually focuses on real life events. So, um, I think rewatching that for the piece that I wrote, I it got me more interested um, in going back to this. So I, you know, I thought that this was a good time to to come back to the Safety Prime Ryan, having been, you know, you know, maybe almost a decade since I'd watched it. Right, right. And you had also, I know, um, read and watched Band of Brothers in high school. So Yeah. Yeah. So you have a you've got a, a history with this um portion of Spielberg and Tom Hanks uh, collaboration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but before we get into all that, um, I do want to throw it real quick to um, uh, some of the uh, nice people who also have shows on the, uh, the the Pop Break feed that you can listen to. So just stay tuned. My name is Bill Bodkin, editor-in-chief of thepopbreak.com. Join me on the third Thursday of every month as I dive deep into the iconic music scene of Asbury Park, New Jersey on my new podcast, Anchored in Asbury. Every month, I sit down with my friends, colleagues, and some of the most exciting names in the Asbury music scene to talk about their latest works, most personal inspirations, and their connection to the city that Bruce built. Follow the show on the Pop Break Today podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Hi, this is Allison Lips from Popright Goes to Washington. You may know me as the digital trends editor at Popright and as a frequent guest on the Anniversary Brothers podcast. Every third Thursday of the month, join me and a guest as we break down various political movies from a pop culture perspective. You can find Popright Goes to Washington on the Popright Today feed wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back, you know, uh, this is my awkward transition from a, uh, uh, you know, a throw to our, uh, our ads for our sister podcast. So, you know, glad that you can be back. <laughs> yeah. Talking from our, our band of brothers of podcasts. Right. Yeah. Um, which actually, if you do want to listen to a, a podcast about band of brothers, which we did not do, um, the people who actually made Band of Brothers did do a whole, like, uh, like ten episode podcast for like each episode. Um, oh, cool! A couple years ago, Excellent. and they, I think they they got Tom Hanks, you know, because he was one of the producers. I see. Okay. So yeah, de- definitely. But as far um, as I know, no accompanying Saving Private Ryan podcast yet. I, I I would not be surprised because th- this is a you know a very big anniversary twenty five years uh, of Saving Private Ryan, so um, Josh, um, we, we talked about what our impressions were of this movie um, when we first saw it, and they were we were I know to surprise maybe a lot of people we're not super into this movie when we first watched it. I'm curious what your thoughts are on it now. It's it's definitely a good movie. Like I I don't uh-huh. think anyone can question that, or like I I don't think that's really up for debate. Um, I I think it's also not up for debate that this is not 
a fun movie by any no. means. <laughs> this is not um you know a lighthearted romp uh right. fun for the whole family this, this right. is a pretty grim picture right I, I was as you know I, I keep going in my head one of the things that you, you were on i think your tv break podcast where you're you were talking about one of the shows you watch and you said for you it's like a warm hug and those hmm. are the kind of shows that you like to watch and kind of movies you like to watch and this is just the complete opposite of that no, no. This this is a bloodbath, essentially. You're right. Um, which I almost felt kind of bad making you watch this because I know this is like the stuff you just do not like. I don't even know how you got through Hannibal. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I could get through Hannibal anymore. I think mm -hmm. my my viewing habits have changed. Yeah. But no, I once again, I, so it's a, it's a brutal movie, but it is a very good movie. I think it's it's incredibly well made. Um, which no surprise. I mean, this is Spielberg we're talking about. I think that the opening half hour of the movie is uh, incredible uh, in, a, in a haunting way, mm -hmm. um, as as are so many of the uh, the battle moments or the mm -hmm. war moments in here. Um, I was reading that, um, according to some veterans, that like this is um, for them like the most realistic depiction of war that I've ever seen on film, which I can believe. Mm -hmm yeah um so i think it's incredibly well made it's it's not it's not a feel-good movie like mm -hmm. like yes the idea is okay we need to go save this soldier um but it's not the, the, i i appreciate this is not like a overly sentimental like heroic depiction of war especially world war ii where i think that can often get wrapped up in this imagery of like this is a this is a good war or, or like this is like a righteous act and and what this film i think depicts really well is that like no like this is still like uh like a, a horrific event for everyone involved and like mm -hmm. there is no like um you know moral justification like i i appreciate a lot of what they did with the character um Upham played by uh Jeremy Davies, I think. Mm -hmm. Um just kind of like trying to get us into um you know the mindset of some like like questioning like the morality of what we're seeing. Um and so I I think it's it's very poignant in that regard, especially once you see his character's arc um from the beginning to the end of the film. Um that all being said, I don't think I need to watch this movie again. <laughs> yeah. uh, if if I wanted to watch another World War II movie, I would be much more inclined to watch uh, Captain America: The First Avenger. Right. Yes. <laughs> that that is very on brand for you. And no, I I get it. I totally get it. Um, and that's also like oh, well, recommending Band of Brothers to Josh. I, I maybe he can read the book. I don't know if he'll ever want to. I don't know. Even that. I don't know. <laughs> It, I, maybe like i'm not i'm not opposed to it like i do think it's an interesting yeah um topic um i i guess for me it's just so depressing in a way because like yeah it, and i i appreciate that though because once again like i i think it's very easy for um war films especially like world war ii films to get like wrapped up in this sense of like mm -hmm. uh like wow this is like so cool and look how right. like 
like heroic they are and like this is not that like it's not depicting the the soldiers in tom hanks's uh unit as like bad people but like they're clearly flawed complex people like mm-hmm. they they say a lot of sexist things a lot of homophobic things and they are you know kind of jerks to each other yeah um and they're actively like questioning their mission but i think in, in some ways that's trying to frame things in a more realistic sense which going along with the way they film the um the warfare scenes you know the actual battle i think that fits so you know th- this for me i i think is a really really grounded depiction right um although i i know i was reading that some people have expressed frustration with the beginning and end of the film uh the the framing narrative of um matt damon's character uh james ryan uh, you see him you know in the present day uh-huh. um going back to uh the american french cemetery um mm-hmm. commemorating the soldiers who died on d-day and beyond right. so yeah I do, I do find it interesting because there is sort of this like um I mean, this movie, especially when it came out, was very much universally praised, again, for pretty much all the things that you said, um, and that uh, Spielberg, um, you know, and his team, they had based a lot of, you know, what they were trying to do off of, you know, I guess, things they had heard from real veterans where they said, like, don't just make another Hollywood version of World War II, you know, tell our stories, you know, mm-hmm. Um um yeah but, but, wanna... but yeah there there are, there are some people i know that um they 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 criticize this movie a little bit and still being a little too sentimental and they're saying well i question any movie that you know uh ends with the the flying of the american flag um so there are certainly there are some people who basically I guess want you this to be a Stanley Kubrick movie where there are no good feelings about anybody. Right. Right. Which I, I, I can get, I mean, that's again, a lot of um, the criticism, the small amount of criticism for Schindler's list is uh, that it it is. uh, uh, There is too much uh, sort of uh, kind of weepy moments that, you know, are are purposely trying to tug at your heartstrings. Um, for me, I I understand that perspective, um, but I don't know. It it got to me more this time, as far as n- not in a negative way, but in I was more affected by it. This not like I was you know crying with this movie, but um, certainly I think some of the moments, like you said, with um, and the older uh, James Ryan at the gravesite or even just like uh seeing moments uh when his mother is seeing the uh the like the state department car come to her uh her farm and she just you know sort of just not collapses but sort of just like gets down on her knees like she she can't like believe mm-hmm. um what's happening at the moment and of course it has you know this excellent score by john williams which always helps in those emotional scenes yeah 
Yeah. No, so no. yeah, I definitely I d- this movie definitely worked for me more the second time around. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad to hear that, and I I do think it it did work for me as well, even if it's not something that I'll necessarily want to revisit. And I, I guess I I do want to go back and and say that maybe calling it not sentimental was maybe that's not accurate because there is a sentimentality to it, especially with the um like really showing you like the connection between like the soldiers and how much like they really grow to care about one another um so there there is a sense of like the sentimentality of brotherhood mm-hmm. in it um what i don't think there is is once again like a sense of uh heroism like right, in this. right. um which does even though yeah it doesn't go like all the way to like a Kubrick, you know, Vietnam uh, depicted film. Yeah. It, it brings, I think, some of that mentality to a World War II film, which not to say previously didn't have, you know, any mm-hmm. of that groundedness, but I think is more prone to be more, um, you know, very black and white in terms of its depiction. And I right. appreciate that even though like, often like the Germans in this are kind of just caricatures. Like there are moments where they do try to ground the film as like, no, like this is like a horrific thing and no one is, you know, really uh, morally pure in this. Like at the very beginning during that, or during the end of the uh, the storming of the beach, like we see um, two American soldiers kill um, two uh, soldiers um, who are fighting for the Nazis um but those are soldiers who are speaking czech and so it's right yeah you know, i was, suggested I was that wondering they were, if you knew that yeah yeah so it, it was suggested that they were conscripted into service so even that's like look like no one's and and like the way that they um you know go after um or like there's i i know that one of the most effective scenes for me was when they go and um try to get the the one machine gunner um post in the middle of the uh the countryside and then they have this back and forth debate of like do they kill the german pow yeah um or not like for me i think that's where the what's again the gray area of the movie really works and you get to see that that arc for some of the characters Mm -hmm. yeah um that is a, a very notable scene and like uh like I said, like I said, um, having like read and watched Band of Brothers, like, like this is like very true. Like, war crimes were committed by both sides. It's you know been you know very much you know, um, recorded that that mm-hmm. those things have happened. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I am curious. I know we talked a lot about the opening. I just want to I get your feel a little bit because. One of our previous podcasts, I don't know which one it was. I, I think maybe it was talking about Man of Steel. Um, we t- Actually, that's a good example because the, the, these actually strangely have a few things in common. So both movies utilize handheld photography. Um, yeah. But I do want to say that it did seem like so there like i said before there is a difference between handheld photography and shaky cam which is where the cameraman is purposely shaking the camera right. i do want to say that for the the 
beach landing, I do think there are examples of them actually having both, but that mm. it's on purpose because based on like the interviews that they had with these veterans is they kind of describe that even then when they were going up the beach, that whole sequence was kind of like a blur to them. Mm. Um, so, but I'm just curious, did you think that um, the camera was ever shaking too much that you had a hard time or it was too close up that you had a hard time understanding where everybody was? Not really. I mean, I generally think they did a good job of presenting the um, the layout of mm -hmm. the beach and, and what was going on. And I'd say if there was any moment where there was confusion, maybe this is, you know, me giving too much credit to, you know, um, Spielberg and uh, the cinematographer. Uh, Kaminsky. Um, uh, yes. Uh, I just felt like that was intentional at times. Right. Like, yeah. Like you're I, supposed I, to be disoriented. Because right. They're that, disoriented. Exactly. That, that's that. And that's really what I, I thought, because that's definitely the most disorienting portion of the, the entire movie. Um, so, yeah, I think it, it, it really does uh, work. Um, and uh, just that moment um, was... Uh, so graphic that uh um basically the the veterans uh the department of veterans affairs uh set up a hotline because there were so many veterans who were struggling with this movie mm. or they had to you know leave the theater which just just goes to show you know how accurate it was um so there was another uh <laughs> weird comparison that I had to the Man of Steel. And that's okay. actually the color, um, the color grading. Mm -hmm. So this movie has, uh, is very famous for its desaturated look. Mm -hmm. So, uh, which also Man of Steel had, though I would not, would not say that it's famous for that. <laughs> um, for you, did that, do you, did you like that choice? Because they, it's very much intentionally kind of providing a surreal look that they, they apparently were inspired by sort of some of the, uh, I guess, photographs that were taken from the landing that um, either were like strangely like, like exposed improperly. Like they actually went for like a, a more like a, almost like incorrect look because it, I know somehow worked better with what they were trying to achieve. I think it worked. I mean, for me, it captured this sense of, um, you know, this is taking place in the forties, like, you know, like putting right. you in that mindset. Right. It does have a certain of like, uh, cause they had considered just having it uh, be all black and white, like Schindler's list, which uh, Spielberg at the time he he thought that that made that movie feel more timeless um but for for this movie he he felt like doing it in black and white would have actually made it feel um too artsy or i'm not sure what is exactly his justification for it was but he thought that just going full black and white was not the right choice for this movie um i do think that i i think it works really well in this movie that um 
it's it's just so distinct it's so iconic um and like i said it it really gives uh this surrealness to this movie but it, it's it's strange that like you 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 should think that it would actually make this movie like look really ugly but i've it, it strangely looks really really good i have on i would say um but but I, i'm definitely not a lot of movies could i think pull this off um what they actually did is since this movie was edited you know it was uh color uh graded uh chemically is they they did a, a process that's called a bleach bypass which gives you that more you know grayish desaturated look uh which spielberg would later uh used for uh minority report hmm. and and which roger deakins had already done on um the uh 1984 uh movie that came out in 1984 <laughs> ah so uh and now of course they could do that effect uh digitally but it's, it's just interesting um that they they have this whole process of how they they did it I think, though, if you do want to see some of what this movie looked like before, if you look at some of the teaser trailers, you do get a better sense of this is what it looked like before they uh, did the color timing, hmm. which is obviously is more greener. But I think it also works to a good effect that like, um, for example, when um, after they take that machine gun post um, and they're um, I forget which soldier is. I think it's uh, Giovanni Rabinsky, uh, his character. Um, he's dying. And because the colors are so desaturated, they must have very much been careful with how they do it because everything else is desaturated, but the blood is mm -hmm. so, um, stands out so much that it really makes that seem more effective. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is Giovanni uh, Rabinsky's character. Yeah. And, no, and that's, I guess that's the one thing that I would worry about um, with the, the the color choices. Like if, if it would like make some of the um, the violence like a little bit um, less effective, but right. I don't think that's the case. Right. It's actually interesting um, in terms of just like this movie, um, and its legacy, we'll get a little bit into that later, but um, that uh, it really shaped what, like, how people decided they were going to make their World War II media look like mm. afterwards. They're like, that desaturated look, they're just like, that's what we want to go for. Right. It, it almost to like people think like, well, that's how it looked like. It's like, no, that's how they chose to make it look like. Um, but I mean, that just goes to show. I think that's uh, how uh, is often the case, you know, when somebody does something so well, it's just it's imitated. Right. Um, I, I know we're, we haven't gotten too much into the characters. So we did. Uh, we just uh, mentioned Giovanni Rubisky. Uh, um, I do want to say that he doesn't have a big part in this, but I think it's interesting. Uh, so Vin Diesel is in this movie. <laughs> yes, he is. He is in this movie. And actually, Steven Spielberg was 
very early champion of Vin Diesel. So um, Vin Diesel was very much a struggling actor, filmmaker, had made this short film all about his his time, you know, struggling to get work. Um, and um, Steven Spielberg saw it and like he might have been cast in one or two other movies. I'm not sure. But basically, like that really helped him get cast in this. Mm. Um, so much that like Steven Spielberg has gone on record and said that he's still disappointed that Vin Diesel has not like gone back and done more as a filmmaker because he thinks he's really talented. Okay, to not know that. Yeah. So we have uh, Steven Spielberg to blame for the for Fast v- and Furious franchise. Kind of. Um, you know, for talking about family and for family. drinking Coronas and all that. So you see, it's like this movie's about family. It's his other movies about family. Um, other casting choices. So obviously Tom Hanks, this this is the beginning of Tom Hanks's long uh, uh, partnership with uh with Spielberg because they did this movie together. Then they would go mm-hmm. on to do, um, you know, we did catch me if you can, which we talked mm-hmm. about terminal, um, the post, the post, uh, bridge of spies, yeah. you know, and they produced, you know, band of brothers and Pacific together. So this is very much, you know, the beginning of a, a beautiful friendship as you would, you <laughs> put it. Um, is is he the actor who Spielberg has collaborated with the most? Um, it's possible. Like, I'm thinking about like actors who he's worked with. Like, he did a few with Richard Dreyfus in the 70s. Um, I mean, I would argue it could be Harrison Ford just because he's done four Indiana Jones movies with him. But uh, I guess that's true. Um, that that is a good question. Yeah. Um. He wanted, so he cast Matt Damon. He like apparently talked to him on the set of Goodwill Hunting. And he cast him because he was a relative unknown at the time, not knowing that Goodwill Hunting was then going to become a huge hit mm. and basically defeating the whole purpose because this movie came out a year after. Oh, do you feel like the purpose was to well, the purpose was that he wanted to get a relative unknown oh. and and he didn't know that goodwill hunting was going to be such a big hit yeah well i mean matt damon just so baby-faced in this looks like they just got him right out of the right. you know, preschool like i mean he's he's older than you think he was like 20 like seven when he was in this movie but i i i and some other actors who they they chose would have been Edward Norton, who was actually in Rounders with Matt Damon the same year. Mm. Um, and very much, again, there are movies early in his career that they they tried to make him look younger. That would have been interesting. Um, I mean, yeah, it, there are just a lot of... I didn't remember, for instance, that uh, Paul Giamatti, who we just talked about in the yes. Truman Show, was in this. Yeah. Um, Ted Danson shows up for one scene. That one surprised me. Um, um Brian Cranston shows up for yes. one scene. Yeah. Um, those ones probably surprised me the most. The or, okay, I'll say there's one other that really surprised me. Um, and that was uh Nathan Fillion. Oh, yeah, as... Nathan You see, you say that this movie doesn't have mo- I mean, it's not exactly moments of levity, but 
that scene where they tell him that his brothers are dead is r- so funny because then he's like, my brother's in grade school. What happened? Yeah. I would, I'm not sure if I call that it's, levity, it's, but. Right. It, it's uh, sort of dark, dark humor. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, speak about Babyface, like he looks like they just <laughs> plucked him out of his crib. Like he's yeah. so young. Mm-hmm. Um, right. I don't even know if. Oh, wait, no, he wasn't an angel. I'm thinking of the other guy. This would be before Firefly, so. Yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I mean, so much so that, like, I don't think he's even, like, credited, like, really, like. No, he, he is. Oh, yeah, he's credited as Minnesota Ryan. Like, yeah. don't even really give him uh, his full name. Because they're like, ah, well, mm-hmm. he was in there for the joke. Now, there are a few, not not to get too far off the topic of the uh, performances but there are a few oddly comedic moments the other one that i was thinking of was when uh, tom hanks is talking to the soldier who knows um matt damon's james ryan and that soldier has just like been um exposed to like a a grenade blast or something and now he's he's hard of hearing and he has to like scream and ask (laughs) like that's once again, it's 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 a darkly comics like, OK, well, this man has right. hearing loss now because of the war. But I guess that's kind of funny. Like, I, I mean, know. like I it's weird because, like, I think it kind of shows like when you're in that situation, you kind of have to laugh off some of it a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I know. Yeah, I, that's that's hard to say. Um, um But uh I, I do also want to say, like we said, the plot is very simple. Um, uh, I thought I read somewhere that like it's been definitively proven like this mission would 100% never have come to fruition. They, mm. they There would never be a mission like this. Mm. I mean, it, it's it's just, you know, it's fiction, but it definitely the, the circumstances, the, the, the idea that they're worried about brothers who you know, we're all dying. Uh, like that is very much like those things have happened where whole families have like lost people. Right. So that, that was very much a concern. Right. And I, I do think it, it works in that they, they don't try to present this too much is like historical fiction. Like it's not like a mm-hmm. afterwards he went into this, like, you know, it's, it's not about that. Um, but I like that they keep referencing, not keep, but they reference twice um, the letter from Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. um, to a family who had lost all of their sons during the Civil War as a was like, yeah, like this is um, maybe not, uh, you know, something that the events of this are not something that happened exactly. Um, but yeah, this kind of thing can mm-hmm. happen. Right. Um, speaking about other characters, so we mentioned uh, Upham, which is uh, Jeremy Davies' character. He's definitely a character that I sympathize a lot more in this movie and very much disliked in the first one and just saw as a coward. But like, yeah. he, he's much like anybody. It could happen to anybody where you're just so shell-shocked that, especially since he had ve- very little experience with combat. It, it, like, I guess he just like, par- he was with... Uh, the airborne or something like i don't think he was one of the people who uh came up on the beach so he had 
no experience with actually like firing a rifle um yeah he was a, a staff assistant a staff uh, assistant yeah um who they right because he wanted to bring his typewriter yeah and they they had to bring him because the translator that or the interpreter that they originally had uh died during the storming right. of the beach um yeah i i similarly found myself very annoyed with uh upham when we originally watched this and and that's not to say like i wasn't annoyed with him at times but he definitely was more sympathetic in that i do think he is he i think he serves a few roles i think part of it is he's meant to kind of give um you know civilian viewers uh, a way into the the film and kind of just, like be able to place themselves uh in it and he's also you know uh kind of the moral compass of the movie um which is why once again i think it's so effective when you see that moral compass get so um you know turned around mm-hmm. um and kind of he, he gets so uh unsure and then, and then essentially at the end where you see him you know act um against you know what he had originally um presented as his ethics um because of the emotion of it mm-hmm. so I, I do think that's effective. And and I think the other um, two characters that I, I, I don't really know much of their work. So they didn't really stand out to me in terms of mm-hmm. um, recognizing them, but Edward Burns as uh, Rybin and, and Tom Sizemore as mm-hmm. uh, Mike Horvath. I thought they did a, a really wonderful job, especially. Mm-hmm. They definitely, they clash a lot. I'd love their, like, once again, going to that scene where they're they're trying to take the um, machine gun nest uh, in the countryside, when you have them like coming to like this this conflict, that is for me the the most tense point of the film because that's when they're most at each other's throats. It's like okay, these are like allies um, mm-hmm. going at it, not just like you know the the enemy. Mm-hmm. And and I think that really is effective, and especially the way that then uh, Tom Hanks' character diffuses that situation. Um, so I think they are. I think they do a wonderful job in that scene, and just I, I like the uh, the relationship that's presented between um, Tom Sizemore's character and Tom Hanks' characters. Um, mm-hmm. Just as you know, these. I mean, so much of. Um, Tom Hanks's uh, character, Captain Miller, is having to present a certain um, facade or a certain level of um, distance because he mm-hmm. is in charge. Um, while at the same time, we as the viewer get to see underneath that and see, um, you know, some of what he's experiencing. We see him like break down after the death of uh, Giovanni Ribisi's character. We see him. Uh, constantly dealing with um this um uh, post-traumatic uh stress reaction mm-hmm. um in terms of the shaking of his hand um so really his relationship with with horvath is one of the few times we get to actually see underneath you know that exterior mm-hmm. of command um except for when he like gradually opens up to his men uh, and eventually to uh, Matt Damon's character, um, but I think it was I think it was necessary. Um, mm-hmm. It was just um, 
I know Tom Hanks is such a, a wonderful performer, but I do think he, he works best when he has someone to work off of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Oh, so you're saying that you, you would not go see a one man show by Tom Hanks. I mean, I'm sure he would do great in a one man show. I'm just, I don't know. Like I, I think Tom Hanks is such a wonderful presence and uh-huh. he, he, I think he works like he elevates everyone around him. Right. Maybe you should watch the post because then that that pits him with Meryl Streep. So that's that's a good uh, dynamic. Yeah. No, that would definitely be interesting to me. I I guess I would question something like um, casting him in Pinocchio's Geppetto. Um, <laughs> you where, just put like, him up against the piece of wood. Yeah, it's like come on, like you're you're wasting the talent of the guy who elevates everyone around him. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So I, but no, I I think he's he's great in this and that's you know no surprise but no i think everyone's Mm -hmm. um really good in this even if yeah some of the the casting like the like the vin diesel of it all did kind of like take me out of it for a little Mm -hmm. bit right um just want to go a tiny bit into the effects i feel like there's not too much to say other than like this movie um i mean i'm not going to be able to tell you oh is you know the size of the explosion for whatever, you know, mortar shell that they used. Correct. Like, I can't tell you that for sure. Cause you know, I wasn't there, but in my eyes, it, it looks very, you know, well-produced. Um, um, they basically demolish a whole town. Mm-hmm. And I was really surprised just like, but almost all of the action with the ex- with like maybe like a few explosions you know i guess the bullets zipping above them are pretty much all in camera mm. like uh you you got maybe like a matte painting after they take the beach but like it i was surprised how short the credits list was for um industrial lights and magic for this movie mm. it just goes by so quick yeah yeah that's that's incredible like i you you would not expect that given the way the movie looks well yeah especially when you look at i think some world war ii movies now they're for they are doing different things so i can kind of understand that a movie like midway has a lot more computer generated imagery but it's also Hmm. roland emmerich and i he's not nearly the filmmaker that steven spielberg is no. So that's no. like almost like not a fair comparison. Not, not quite. Um, I do want to go back just briefly to two characters that we we did not talk about. Oh yeah, that, that I just want to briefly highlight. Um, one is uh Mellish played by Adam Goldberg. Yeah. Um, so he's the uh the Jewish shoulder soldier who I think um he doesn't have that many moments, but I I do appreciate um. You know, he brings like some levity to it, uh-huh. um, and I, I appreciate like they they have the the representation of a Jewish soldier there, um, right? Because I believe that Spielberg's father did serve in World War II. Mm. Yeah, so I I think it was important that he was there, and I and I think he he does have some good dynamics, even if he's not necessarily um, involved in too many of the most memorable scenes. Although his death scene is is very uh, mm-hmm. effective. Um, and then the other one was uh, Barry Pepper as Jackson, uh, the religious sniper, right? Uh, who I couldn't stand. Oh, okay, so a lot of people, you know, 
that's probably the one thing that I do think they tried to make him too cool a little bit. He's, you know, he's always citing these Bible verses while he's sniping all the, 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 uh, the German soldiers. And I don't know, I, I did not dislike him or really like him. Uh, for me, he, I could see why some people would gravitate towards him, but I can also see why you maybe not like him. I every time he spoke, I just wanted him to shut up. Like it would <laughs> Okay. Well, I don't know. Like they they do present him as like this very like arrogant, uh, uh okay. hot shot kind of character where he's like, Yeah, just get me like a mile within Hitler and I'll end this war. It's like right. shut up, like go go away. Right. Um but and and I, I do think that it does his character goes into like a, a bigger um theme of the movie which is kind of like how religion presents itself during war like mm-hmm. during the 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 opening scene like you have certain characters um like uh, holding rosaries or kissing crosses or um, you see Mellish with the star of david so like you have um you know the sense of like religion is something that comes in um uh, during the the horrors of war that gives people both a sense of um comfort um but also uh moral superiority and i don't know that just that right the way that, it was Richard jackson just felt really icky to me that's a good and i could definitely see that um that 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 is interesting um and it's also interesting because um if you if you read the i know i'm gonna mention band of brothers for the third time <laughs> but um if you read um uh this uh the band of brothers there is this this real life soldier who was called shifty powers um who was like a crack shot um could basically hit anything with a rifle even not necessarily with a scope but Mm. he he was presented very differently they he was always sort of like very kind of humble and uh sort of just kind of like very well liked by everybody mm-hmm. um who which probably um if um jackson was more like him i think you would have liked him more probably probably so yeah i just had to mention that because that was just something that was right just under my nerves the whole time uh-huh. um but going back to effects as you were saying um yeah no i I'm amazed that there wasn't more done by uh, industrial lights and magic. Um, right. So I think it's, it, it's a testament to like, once again, how grounded this movie is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if there's really much else to say about this movie. I mean, I already talked a little bit about its legacy that it's very much shaped how, you know, people have, you know, kind of recontextualized world war ii especially in hollywood i mean before then uh i think the, the, the most famous normandy movie was uh the longest day which came out in the early 60s which they were definitely not allowed to you know have this kind of violence um but also was not really their objective you know people kind of just get shot they fall over and then they keep moving um, but that movie is also trying to do something different, whereas that movie is much more about the preparation of the uh, of the landing. And I 
I mean, I haven't seen it. I've seen a few clips. Uh, it's, it's free on YouTube right now, so maybe free with ads. So maybe I'll, I'll watch it. Um, hmm. um, but yeah, this this movie. I mean, this movie also like indirectly gave us the Medal of Honor video game series. Hmm. Where like Spielberg was like somebody was like yeah what if we like made a game of this it's like yeah go ahead go ahead and do that <laughs> uh, it's like uh, try to achieve what we did with trying to like get you in the soldier's mindset um, in in like a video game which I mean we can debate on whether you know that has its merits or not but um, it is interesting that this movie had its legacy outside you know, itself as one individual property. Mm. Um, don't want to get too much into it because I'm, you know, I'm sure Matt and Marissa have talked at length about um, this movie um, during the Oscars, but do just want to, you know, talk uh, briefly that, you know, this is probably one of the most infamous examples of uh, what people consider to be uh, the Academy getting the best picture wrong when, uh, the Academy decided to give it to uh, Shakespeare in Love, and I haven't seen that movie. So again, you would have to listen to them to to um, say whether which is better. Um, I I do know that that movie actually has Matt Damon's buddy Ben Affleck in it. So mm. after they were in Goodwill Hunting together, the next year they were competing against each other. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, but I mean, there are a lot of like they did like a, a poll now that a bunch of Academy members said if they would do it differently, they would give the save it prime Ryan. And I say you can't do do overs. So well, that's <laughs> no. that's that's nice. But um, Steven Spielberg very much earned, though, his, you know, his uh, second uh, directing uh, Oscar for this movie, which I mean. Yeah, I mean. It, he probably could have earned you know twice as many as he has probably um so it, it's just again and not necessarily in terms of this legacy but um just just i guess maybe an interesting factoid is that for like a three or four year period abc actually during veterans day showed this movie unedited um, oh yeah. Now, when that says unedited, I don't know if that means with or without ads, um, which I will say we watched this on Pluto TV because that was free. And that definitely hurt the pacing of the movie for me. Oh, man. I I don't know what ads you had, but I had this obnoxious Monopoly Go ad come up. Oh, OK, so no, times. mine was all about um, like like herbal infusions, drinking like. I don't know, like, I guess greens drinking that interesting so mine that my i i wish i had had that because instead mine was like the most like overacted commercial i've oh, seen okay. in years which going from a steven spielberg directed film starring tom hanks yeah. to going to a commercial with the most cheesy over-the-top acting in the world yeah. yeah that that was rough right uh, but I, I'm, you know, if you would like to watch this movie, obviously, you know, you could get it on Blu-ray or probably even uh, 
4K disc or if you have Paramount Plus, mm-hmm. which I, I would definitely recommend over Pluto TV if you're willing to spend the money. Yeah. Yeah. Get it get it without the ads, or I guess less ads, depending on what version of Paramount Plus you have. Right. I mean, is there anything else that you have to say about this movie in, in terms of just anything about it or its legacy? Um, I mean, I think for me, the the biggest thing is, as you've already stated, like this is, I think, informed so many uh, World War II uh, films um, since this. Like, and I mean, I mentioned, you know, my favorite in Captain America, the first Avenger, which I have on no doubt, like, elements of that were inspired i mean definitely like the color grading i think yeah um, yeah definitely um but like looking at like other ones i think there's been um multiple uh filmmakers who've credited this uh including um tarantino for inglorious bastards um mm-hmm. you have uh, christopher nolan for dunkirk um many have have cited right. this as inspiration so I, I think beyond it being just like incredibly well-made film um it it definitely has left its fingerprints on the uh industry's portrayal of uh this war and i i this the only other thing that i i want to add is that this movie could have been very different though um if you consider who was originally attached to direct it oh yeah michael bay yeah michael bay was originally supposed uh, to direct it, so we've had another pearl harbor uh situation yeah so uh we uh could have ended up in a very different place and mm-hmm. not not to say that it would have been a bad movie but i don't know if we would be talking about it 25 years later in the same way mm-hmm. right okay well that should do it josh thanks you for you know coming onto the podcast i know that you're always sort of like hesitantly waiting for me to decide what we're going to talk about next so yeah you know i'm just gonna hope for the best and uh you know at least it's it's not, you know, another uh, Green Hornet. Right, yeah. I don't know. I was actually thinking, like, we haven't... We've done, like, a lot of good movies lately. Maybe we need to do some more bad movies. Oh, please, no. Well, okay. If if it's if it's so bad that it's good, I can get behind that. Okay. If it's just bad, bad, you might lose me. Okay. I'll keep that in mind, but <laughs> uh, we'll see. So, uh, Josh... Uh, I, are you you're still working on your couch potato column? I am. I need to rework it a little bit. I, I think I had mentioned during our last podcast that um, it was pending the end of a series. Now the series has ended. I do need to rework it a little bit, but I'm hoping I have to. A, I have a feeling I know which series that is, but uh, you know we'll talk about that after the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So people should look out for that. Um, and then people should also um, find me at the uh, TV break podcast um, where this month we are going to be talking about uh, another um, war film on Paramount plus uh, or sorry, war show, I should say. Um, I think it's on Paramount plus. I could be wrong. Too many shows, too many things, um, but that'll be uh, coming soon. We're going to be recording that next week. Um and definitely have some fun anime to inform uh, Bill and Alex about. So mm-hmm. I'm having a, a good time preparing for that. Um, Aaron, do you have anything that you're working on or uh, anything that you want to plug or where people can uh, find you? I am going to be on some other people's podcasts. Um, um, there is somebody else's podcast who I, I'm not going to say right now. Um, should be recording that later today. 
Um, that'll probably won't go up for a few months, but um, when it gets closer to that, I, I guess I'll, I might say what podcast so people can go listen if they want to. Um, I'm on at Sir at Aaron Sarnecki on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. <laughs> um, where if you just want to, I haven't been on there recently. I had a weird rant where I was just like talking about aspect ratios, which is something that would just go over Josh's head. But if you, yep. if you want to read stuff like that, you can, uh, you can follow me there. So, uh, Josh, thank you for, uh, for joining me. Yeah, no, thank you for, um, having us go into this darker, but still, I, I think a intriguing conversation mm-hmm. and, um, for everyone listening, thank you for joining us. Hope we'll be back next time. And until then, remember, FUBAR.